Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. We're going to be talking about the Word of God. And, uh, you know, we just wrapped up uh, a couple of weeks ago talking about prayer and uh, really kicked off this year talking about prayer. And I'm going to tie the two together today in uh, the value of the Word of God to our lives and how that relates to prayer. You know, something that I learned many years ago was how we need to, if we're going to pray effectively, we need to pray the Word. Praise God. And I was meditating um, in, in preparation for uh, today's message, and the, and the Spirit of the Lord just said to me, He said, the church has forgotten how to pray the Word. The church has forgotten how to pray the Word. So, you know, I took that as an instruction to take some time and teach you. So we're going to really teach today on how to pray the Word of God. You know, this is... Uh, uh, going to be one of those dig deep and, and, and learn some really important things. You know, there, there are those kind of messages that, that just challenge you and uplift you and encourage you and, and uh, uh, you know, make you want to jump up and shout and run around the room and, and, and that kind of, there are those kind of messages. Then there are those other messages where you really you, you write some things down and you take notes and you learn some things that will help you in your life. So I'm going to say this today. Uh, I came up in ministry under a great pastor, Pastor David Emi, uh, and uh, who's going to be with the Lord now. But one of the things that he said so many times, he, he was a stickler on taking notes. I was never a good note taker. And so it kind of almost aggravated me when, every time he said this, but I remember it so well. Uh, and, and so I'm going to use it this morning. So if you get aggravated at me because of it, then that's all right. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I'm one of these guys that I got more out of, of hearing it and I could remember what I heard. And... Uh, but, but he was a stickler on note-taking, and uh, he would always say, a short pencil is better than a long memory. Uh, a short pencil is better than a long memory. And what he meant was, you'll remember it better if you write it down. And uh, so he would always encourage us to write stuff down. And so I'm going to say something today that uh, I brought some props in here. 
which uh, most of you know that when I preach, I'm typically just carrying this, and I've got my notes, I've got my Bible, I've got everything right on here. But I brought some props today because there are three things that you need to take into, into your prayer time with you. Uh, and that is, number one, you need to take this. You need to take your Bible into your prayer time with you. And you need to pray from this. Praise God. Use this in your prayer. You know, most people, their prayers, uh, you know, most Christians, their prayers consist of help. You know, that's, that's really the, the essence of most Christians' prayers. When they're in trouble, help God. You know, I don't know what to do. Help me. Help me. I'm in trouble. I'm in a mess. Fix this for me. And yet God is saying, all right, on what basis are you asking me to fix this? Uh, um, well, you love me, don't you? You know, when in reality what he's asking you to do, what he's wanting you to do is open this up and say, God, you said right here that you dealt with this situation and here's how you dealt with it. You dealt with it right here. There it is. I believe this. I made a decision to believe this. And so I, this right here, God, this is what I believe. Praise God. And, and when we begin to talk like that, you know, God hears that. And I'll show you that he hears that. Uh, the, the second thing is sometimes we ask God questions. And he answers us. Um, and then six months later, we're trying to, oh, what was it the Lord said to me? Um, I think it was something about, um, well, no, maybe, it, and we can't remember what he said to us. That's why a short pencil is better than a long memory. But if I expect God to say something to me, I ought to have a notebook. I ought to have something to write it down with. Keep your notebook by your bed at night, you know, or some way to make a note of it. I, I, you know, I'm not saying you have to have a print Bible. You can have... You can have your Bible on your tablet if that's you know if that works better for you. You can have your Bible on your phone if that works better for you. That's you know don't don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you got to have a print Bible. I'm making a point today, okay? So uh, I'm going to exaggerate some things in driving a point today, okay? And and so you need to have one of these. You need to have one of these. And this doesn't do you much good. You know, except to wrap your bubble gum in, you know, to throw it in the... But uh, unless you got one of these to go with it. Praise God. So you need to, if you expect God to speak to you, you want to remember it, right? If God says something to me, the creator of the universe is talking to me, I want to remember what he said. And I want to get it right. I don't want to remember it wrong. I want to get it right. Secondly, this also comes in, into value when you're studying 
this. When you're studying your word, when you're studying your Bible, you know, I knew a person once that uh, um, thought it was sacrilegious to write in his Bible. You know, he, he had a Bible. He would not write in his Bible because he thought that would be disrespectful. But, you know, and, 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 and okay, I, I get it. Um, you know, but really, I heard a saying one time that someone said that uh, a Bible that is wore out usually belongs to somebody who isn't. Praise God. A Bible that's wore out usually belongs to somebody who isn't. Why? Because that's somebody who isn't. They have been wearing this out, and this has been breathing life into them. So they're not wore out. Praise God. Now, when you open your Bible, it's okay to underline things. It's okay to make notes in here because often the, the primary way, the number one way that God is going to speak to you is right off the pages of this. And he's going to, you know, expect him to cause these words to come alive on the inside of you. And when he does, you want to be able to remember what he said. You want to be able to remember that I never saw this before like that. All right, underline, 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 underline. You know, I, 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 I don't remember who it was. I, I believe if I, if I give credit to the wrong person, forgive me. But uh, I believe it was Joel, or not Joel Osteen, but John Osteen, Joel's father, that once said that uh, uh, he was sitting on an airplane one day and he was reading his Bible and he was underlining stuff. And he said, the guy sitting next to him said, why are you underlining, you know, everything? Why is everything on that page? The whole page is underlined. He said, I only underline the parts I like. <laughs> and so, you know, it's okay to underline things in your Bible. It's okay to make notes in your Bible. Praise God. Underline the parts that speak to you in a special way. And if you want to remember what it meant to you, you've got margins, and you can write things in the margins. And at the bottom of the page, you know, I've got pages with things. Um, you know, the last several years, I've primarily used the tablet. But, uh, uh, but you know, I've got Bibles. I've got things written down here. And because I ran out of room on the page, I had to write this here and then draw an arrow up and over to the to the verse that I was looking at. And, you know, and, and that's okay. Get you some colored highlighters so you can mark things in your Bible. But you want to be able to remember those things. And then when, when God starts to really speak to you out of the Word of God and, he, and you see something in there that will help you to pray. Remember I said pray this back to God? Quote this back to Him? In your prayer time, all right, as you're reading through your Bible, there's a whole lot of pages in there, and you might not remember exactly where that is in your Bible, but you can make some notes and say, all right, hey, that's something I could pray. So 
begin to write it down on your notebook. And then when you go to prayer, take your notebook, your Bible, and your pen. Praise God. Praise God. And begin to be very purposeful about it. You see, we, we have become such, a, uh, such an emotion-driven people. And, and I'm telling you, being emotion-driven has gotten us in a lot of trouble. And, you know, emotions are a great thing. God created you with emotions. That's okay to have emotions. I'm not saying you should not have emotions, but you should not let your emotions drive your life. You should not let your emotions, you couldn't even, you couldn't enjoy anything if you didn't have any emotions. God wants you to enjoy life, and emotions are a part of enjoying life. Praise God. Praise God. But emotions that become the driving force of your life, and if you can't do anything unless you feel like it, you're going to be a mess. If you can't do what you need to do without an emotion that drives you to do it, you're going to be a mess. Sometimes you have to do what you know to do even though you don't feel like it. You know, I like to say this because I think it makes the point really well that there are days I wake up and I don't even feel like I'm saved. I know I am because the Bible tells me how to be saved and I did what it said to do. So I know I'm saved. But sometimes I don't feel like I'm saved. And, and, and growing up, you know, we used to always talk about, you know, when I got saved, I got something I could feel. Well, maybe you did, but maybe you didn't. Maybe you just believed something and you just did what the Bible said to do. That didn't make you any less saved. And, you know, and we grew up. Some of us in, in those circles, we grew up feeling guilty because we didn't feel something all the time. We felt like there were, we, we, we thought there was something wrong with us because we didn't feel something all the time. You see, we don't live by feelings, we live by this. Praise God. This is the book that breathes life into us. Praise God. Praise God. And I don't feel saved all the time. Sometimes I do, and it feels great. But sometimes I don't, and it is great. It's great whether I feel it or not. Praise God. Now, when it comes to praying, um, you know, I've heard people ask the question, say, well, what's more important for me to pray or to, to spend time in the Word? I thought this is not multiple choice. You've got to have both. In fact, I almost titled this message this morning, I almost titled this, You Can't Even Pray Without It. 
And that wouldn't have been a bad title except it was a little lengthy. But, you know, God's Word, you can't even pray without it. You, and you, and that's, that's a true statement. You can't even pray effectively without the Word. Praise God. And we've got to get back to knowing what's in this and praying what's in this. Praise God. But they go hand in hand because before I read this, I need to pray. But before I pray, I need to read this. So, so what do you mean? Well, before I open this, I need to say, Holy Spirit, Jesus said you're a teacher. So I'm asking you, you're, the, you're also the one that, that authored this. You know, Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, but he was not the author of two-thirds of the New Testament. Holy Spirit was author of the whole thing. Praise God. So Holy Spirit is the author of the Bible. So when I open this, I say, Holy Spirit, you're the teacher, so teach me what's in this. Teach me from what I'm reading today. I'm reading your words, so use your words, but teach me what I'm reading today. And then expect him to. How do you show you're expecting to? But then, when I go into my prayer time, I open this and I say, here's what you said in here. So they, they intertwine with one another because this is not just a common book. This Bible, Jesus said it this way. He said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Scripture tells us that the Word of God is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. This book is alive. That's why you can read this your entire life and when you were six years old and you read something and it spoke to you in this way at age six and maybe it told you you wanted to, to, to ask Jesus into your heart. And 50 years later, you read the same verse of Scripture and it's still speaking life into you. It's still speaking something that is very personal to you. You can never exhaust. You see, this right here contained on the pages of this word is everything. God knew everything you would need from the day of your birth until the day you went to heaven. He knew what you would need, and it's all in here. And in fact, libraries and libraries and libraries, you know, if you go into my office, uh, Pastor Jason mentioned this last week, but if you go into my office, I inherited a, a great library from, uh, uh, from my pastor uh, that, I, that I came up under. I inherited a, a library of about 2,500 books. And I've got all those on my shelf, and that doesn't even begin to represent how many books have been written to try to explain what God said in this. 
because it takes us that many words. Only took God this many. He said everything that needed to be said. And there is no subject that there is not a direct word for or a principled word for contained on the pages of this. And that's why we have got to become students of this. Praise God. And I, I, I give you my word that I would never lie to you. But I will also be honest enough to tell you that I don't know everything. But this does. God does know everything, and he put it all in here. And there are, there are things about this I haven't figured out yet. There are things about this. I read scriptures sometimes, and they don't make any sense to me. There are, there are times I read scriptures, and I don't know how this fits in. All right, God, you're going to have to show me how this fits. You're going to have to teach me this. And somebody will ask me a question sometimes, and I say, hmm, I never even thought of that question, much less found the answer. And so I have to go to this continually, continually, continually. I can't say, well, I read this through all the, all the way through. I'm done. Okay, that's good. No, I got to continue in the Word. Jesus said, if you continue in my Word, then you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. For how to start out if you continue in my word? Then you are my disciples, and when you are my disciples by continuing in the word, as you continue in the word, you become a disciple, and as you become a disciple, then you shall know the truth. So we got a lot of people that are trying to decide what the truth is, and then they're trying to interpret their version of truth with this. They've already made up their mind before they ever open this up what the truth is. And they're trying to make this fit their reality. They're, they're, they're letting the day interpret the word instead of letting the Word interpret their day. God, this is how my day went. Show me in here. Let your Word interpret my day. Praise God. Praise God. Now, when we pray the Word, you see, God's Word is like a menu that tells you what's available to you. If you don't find it on the menu, anybody ever been to a restaurant? And, you know, I remember, you know, I, I like hot, spicy stuff. You know, so if anybody ever wants to bring me some hot, spicy stuff, it'll be okay. I'll, I'll receive that with Thanksgiving. But, you know... Um, but I like hot, spicy stuff. And so I, I was in the airport in uh, Dallas one time, and I went into TGF Fridays, TGI Fridays, which is it? TGI Fridays. Yeah, TGI Fridays. And they had on the menu, they had 
ghost pepper glazed wings, boneless wings. And I thought, I know it's a bad idea, but I've got to have those. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, so I, I got those, and, I, and, and they were so good, and I was so on fire. But, uh, you know, uh, enjoy those so much. Next time I'm back in the airport in Dallas, go to TGI Fridays, order them again. They were just as good the second time. Then I went in there the, the third time, and I'm looking through the menu, and I can't find them. And uh, so I asked, I said, you know, you used to have uh, ghost pepper glazed boneless wings on your menu. Uh, and uh, she said, oh, we took those off the menu. We, we now have buffalo wings. I said, forget it. You know, I have my heart set on ghost pepper wings. And, you know, the uh, uh, buffalo wings, just not going to do. It's just, that's not an adequate substitute. And so, um, so you know, but I'm looking for something on the menu, and I'm asking, is this available? Well, if it was available, probably would have been on the menu. You know, here's the thing. This is the menu of what's available to you in life. And if it ain't in the menu, you know, I, I could have been a fool and just said, you know, I, I want the ghost pepper wings. Well, that's not on the menu. What? It used to be, you know. I, I, I could have been foolish about that and, and insisted on ordering something that wasn't on the menu. Many people are going to God and praying and, and, and they, don't, they haven't read the menu. They don't know what's on the menu. And they're just making up stuff that they think ought to be on the menu. Well, I thought those ghost pepper wings ought to be on the menu. Didn't change the fact that they weren't. Sometimes people are going to God and saying, God, well, I want this, I want that. You know, I knew a man one time that was praying for another man's wife. Uh, you know, that is not on the menu, I assure you. <laughs> That's actually a true story. But it's not on the menu. He couldn't order that, just like I couldn't order ghost pepper wings, because it was not on the menu. And so, you know, we need to look at the menu and find out what's there. When we, when we look at the menu that establishes your position, it establishes what you can have confidence in ordering. You can say, okay, I will have this with a side of this. Because it's there. Now, Mark 11, verse number 23 and 24 says, For assuredly I say to you, 
Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them, and you will have them. Now, notice this. He said, gave us some criteria here. He says, you can say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. So when we go to the Word, you say, well, Father, you said right here, you said, Mark 11, verse number 23, here it is. You said, I could speak to this mountain and command it to be cast into the sea. And if I believe that, I will have whatever I say. So I say what you said. And so therefore, I can go with confidence. I can have faith. Faith is only when you know that you have a foundation for what you're asking. When you have a biblical foundation for what you're asking. It's not when you've just dreamed up something. You see, a lot of people have, in, have invented God instead of finding God. We need to take that, let that soak in for a little bit. There are a lot of people who are inventing their God instead of finding their God. Instead of discovering God. They're, they're creating. Now, here, here's the thing, you know, uh, we read in the Bible about idolatry and people worshiping gods of wood and stone and gold and, you know, and all these kinds of things. They're, they're making God. You shall have a... You shall make unto yourself no graven image. And people were doing that. And we find that, you know, in, in the Bible that people were making these images and worshiping them. We say, well, we don't really do that today. But we do the same thing when we create a God in our mind. When we create a God, you know, we... I think God ought to be like this. And I think that God ought to think like this. And I think that God ought to be a Democrat. Or I think God ought to be a Republican. Or I think God, uh, you know, ought to be this. Or God ought to be that. Or God ought to be, you know. And, and this is the way I think that he, well, I'm sure that God would understand you see, we, we figure out what we want to do, what we want to be, and we think God should understand. Well, that's the, we're creating a God. It may not be made out of wood. It may not be made out of stone, but he's created in your mind, and this is who you are worshiping, the God you created. Instead of opening the Word and finding the God that was the Creator. You can't, how, how can the created, you are the created. 
You're the creation. How can the creation create the creator? And so, you know, we need to open this and find what God is really like. If you want to know what I'm like, ask me. Don't ask Misty. You know, Misty knows me pretty well, but not that well. If you want to know what I'm like, ask me. Praise God. You want to know what God's like? Ask God. Praise God. Now, get this. It is faith-filled words that move mountains, not the abundance of words. You know, and I, I hear people say, well, I've been, well, I've been praying hard. That's kind of become a joke in my family. We don't know how to pray hard. We, we don't know what that means. So if you say, well, we've been praying hard. I say, okay. Whatever you say. I don't know what that means, but whatever you say, you know. But it's faith-filled words, not hard praying it's faith-filled words, not the abundance of words that move the mountain. He said, if you say unto this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea and believe that those things which you say will come to pass, you will have whatsoever you say. If you, if you believe what you're saying, in other words. You're say now, how can you believe what you're saying? Because you're saying the same thing that the God who cannot lie said. Praise God. Praise God. So when we say what he's saying, we're on good, solid ground. Did you know that there are a lot of people think they're worshiping and they're not? Jesus said this to the woman at the well in, in John the fourth chapter. He said, God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. They must worship him in spirit, but not just spirit. A lot of people are worshiping in spirit. It ain't necessarily the Holy Spirit, but, you know, they're worshiping him in spirit and it ain't in truth because Jesus said, sanctify them. He's praying, and he says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify them by your truth. Your is truth. So, in other words, if I am worshiping God, but I'm not worshiping Him in agreement with what He said, then I'm not worshiping Him in truth. He said, you must worship Him in spirit and in truth. So, 
Let me, let me give you some things here. Just because it's got a catchy beat, don't make it truth. And if it ain't truth, it ain't worship. Just because, now here's one. Now, I know this will not apply to anyone in this room because there's not any old people in this room today. You know, but maybe there's some watching us online. So I'm going to say it anyway. All right. See, because um, there are some old people. Yeah, like me. There are some old people that think that if it's old, it's good worship. Well, we want to sing the old songs because those are the good songs. And so, let me tell you this. Just because it's old, do you, do you realize there's been error around for a very, very long time? And there's some error in old songs too. And just because it's a new song doesn't mean it's not worship. Doesn't mean it's not biblical. We, we got to compare what we're saying in our worship. You know, there was, there was a popular song. I mean, I heard this song all over the country. I heard this song in foreign countries. In fact, I got, uh, uh, I, I got kind of put on the spot one day. But this song, it, it came out of the book of Job. And it quoted a saying that Job made, but it misused the statement that Job said. Job, you know, he said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job did say that. It is recorded in the Bible, but Job was wrong. If you study the scriptures, you'll find out that, that he is a giver, not a taker. Job thought that God is the one that took everything away from him, but if you study the book of Job, you'll find out that it wasn't God that took everything from him. You'll find out that it was Satan that took everything from Job, not God. But Job thought it was God, and so he said, The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It's accurately recorded in the Bible that Job said that. But what Job said was not accurate. And so this song, very popular song by a Christian worship artist, it said, you gives and takes away. He gives and takes away. My heart will surely say, blessed be the name. You know. One day, I'm in the Philippines, and I'm a speaker at a conference there. I'm sitting on the front row, and the worship team in this church where we're doing the conference stands up, and they sing that song. Well, my friend that invited me to be a, uh, a speaker at this conference, he gets up after the worship, and he walks up, and he says, 
And the first thing he did, he walks up on the platform, he looks straight at me, and he says, uh, Pastor Daniel, did, did you like that song? He knew what I was going to say. And I said, no, not really. <laughs> and he said, why don't you come up here and tell us why not? So, you know, I got to walk up and explain why I didn't like that song. What would just, you know, Joe really said it, but it was, you know. And, but you see, there are a lot of songs out there, and just because it uses a scripture doesn't mean the scripture is used scripturally. You understand that? Just because it uses a scripture doesn't mean the scripture is used scripturally. You know, it's got to be in the right context and in the, with the right understanding. Praise God. And here's another thing. Just because it's on Caleb doesn't mean it's worship. Doesn't mean it's scriptural. We got a lot of people that they know more about what Caleb said than what God said. That's not part of the criteria. I, I, I you know, Caleb's good. Caleb is sometimes encouraging. How, how's the saying go? Yeah. You know, I, I'm not. I'm not bashing K-Love. Please understand, if you listen to K-Love, for the most part, it's good. But don't take everything that you hear on K-Love and say, well, it's got to be good as on K-Love. You know, just like, and, and in all fairness, I've said some things that I had to fix, too. I've said some things. I've taught some things that I had to go back and correct and fix. So if you think I'm just being bad on K-Love, that's, that's not what I mean. I want you to understand that you need to go to God's Word. In fact, everything I'm saying today, you should be checking out in here. Praise God. Because... God has not committed himself to my word. He committed himself to his word. God will not confirm. See, in, in Mark the 16th chapter, the end of the, the very, right at the end of, of the gospel of Mark, it says, and they went out everywhere preaching. The Lord worked with them confirming the word, not their word, the word, with signs following. God won't confirm my word. He'll confirm his word. He'll confirm my word if my words are the same as his words. Praise God. Praise God. So this is why we've got to dig into this. Now, can I give you some, do we have time this morning for me to give you some real quick pointers on how to pray the Word. I've talked a lot this morning on why you need to do that, but let me give you some real quick, quick pointers on how to pray the Word. All right, Scripture for um, 
you know, and, and I'm not trying to give you a, a, an over, uh, you know, uh, an overview of everything in the Word of God that it says about it. I'm just giving you some quick scriptures that you can refer to and a place to start and to know how to use this effectively. Praise God. In, uh, let, let's say that you want to pray you need healing in your body. So how would you pray the Word for healing? Well, first of all, I would begin to find scriptures that talk about healing. You know, there's a whole lot of scriptures. Not all of them talk about healing. But let's find the ones that talk about healing. And let's see. All right, Exodus chapter 15, verse number 26. It says, and said, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God to do what is right in His sight, to give ear to His commandments, to keep all of His statutes, I will put none of these diseases on you which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Now, in that scripture, we find that God revealed Himself as healer. So I would pray, Father, right here in Exodus chapter 15, Verse number 26, you revealed yourself as the Lord, my healer. So I thank you that you are my healer. I worship you, my healer. I thank you for healing for my body. Because right here it says you are the Lord, my healer. Now, doesn't that sound more effective than saying, Oh God, I'm sick, I need you to heal me. That's how most people are praying for healing. God, my head just is pounding today. Can you please do something about this? How about this one? Psalm 103, verse number 2 and 3. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities who heals all your diseases. Father, your word says right here in Psalm 107, verse number 20, your word says that healing is a benefit. You healing all of my diseases is a benefit and I should not forget your benefit. So I remember your benefit. I commit this to memory that you are the Lord who heals all my diseases. Amen. And you know what the Father does? The Father applauds because he said, put me in remembrance of my word. And that's what you just did. You put it in remembrance of what he says. Not that he forgets. He'll never forget his word. But what it does is it establishes what you believe. Praise God. I'm not just believing in a God that can help me and maybe he will and maybe he won't. I'm putting him in remembrance of what he said and he cannot lie. Praise God. Isaiah chapter 53, you know, we could go to that one. Isaiah 53 verses 4 and 5, that 
by his stripes I was healed. You can read the whole, th the whole thing there and see that. You bore, you laid my sickness and my disease upon Jesus, and he bore it so I wouldn't have to bear it. Then I could go to Matthew chapter 8, verses 16 and 17, that says that he fulfilled Isaiah 53 by healing their sicknesses. Praise God. Praise God. You say, okay, well, how do I pray for the government? Ooh, does the Bible have anything to say about that? Well, here's how I pray for the government. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2 says, Therefore I exhort first of all that supplication, prayers, intercessions, and giving to thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. So I can pray, God, you know, Father, you said that I should pray for, my go for the government officials. You said that I should pray that... that we, in order for us to have a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. And so, Father, I pray for our government leaders that they have a mind that is favorable toward the work of God in the earth. That they have a mind and policies that are favorable toward the work of God, toward the church, toward the people of God. That they have a mind that is favorable toward your principles. Praise God. Proverbs chapter 21, verse number 1. says, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Like the rivers of water, he turns it where, wherever he wishes. So what if we have a government official that has set themselves against the people of God and against the principles of God's Word and against things that are godly and right? What if we have a government official like that? Can I still pray for them? Do I have to pray that God kill them or do I have to pray that God, you know, oh, you know, God get them out of office somehow? Well, here's how you can pray. You said the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. That you could turn their heart. So when I see government officials that have a heart that is against the things of God, when they have positions that are against the things of God, I can pray that God turn their heart. Now, I'm telling you, one of the most futile prayers you can pray is a hate prayer to God about your government officials. Yeah, there's a whole lot of Christians, if things they're saying there's anything, is any kind of indication as to what they're saying to God, you know, they're praying hate prayers. Hate prayer won't get you anywhere. God's not even going to hear the hate prayer. You need to go to the Word and pray prayer that is in line with the Word. Father, you said that you can turn the heart of the leaders. I'm praying for you to turn the heart of the leaders. Praise God. Now, it's okay to pray that God raise up godly leaders. Praise God.
Then what about this? Romans chapter 13, verse 4. For he is God's minister to you for good, but if you do evil, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. So I can pray, Father, you said that the elected officials, that the government officials, that law enforcement officials, you said that they are your minister. Now, Father, I'm asking you to deal with your minister. Your minister's not doing right. Deal with your minister. Your minister. It's not my place to judge your minister, but it is your minister. And according to my understanding of your word, what they're doing their, their decisions and their positions are not right. So I'm asking you, Father, to deal with your minister. Praise God. Praise God. What about this one? Genesis chapter 18, verse 25. Far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked, far be it from you. And then notice this last part of this verse here. It says, shall not the judge of the earth do right. Father, you are the judge of the earth. And I believe you always do right. The judge of the earth shall do right. I believe that, Father. You see, now that's just some quick examples of how to go to God's Word and find scriptures to pray. It's important that this go to our prayer closet with us. Praise God. Praise God. Father, we thank you today. Father, we're so thankful that you taught us to pray. We're thankful that you gave us your word so we know your thoughts, so we can align ourselves with your thoughts. We can align ourselves with your principles. We thank you for that. Now, I pray, Father, for all of those hearing my voice today in this room or online. Father, if there's anyone hearing my voice, which I know there is, Father, that have never received Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, wherever you may be all across this world, if you're hearing me right now, whenever that may be, if you're hearing me right now, I am here to tell you that Jesus, the Son of God, God made flesh, came to this earth. He stood in your place, and He took your place. He became you, and the penalty for sin was due to you.
but Jesus became you. Therefore, the penalty for sin fell upon him. And he paid the price for it. The Bible tells us that the penalty for sin is death. But the good news is that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He took the penalty that belonged to you so you could take the blessing that belonged to him. And if you choose Jesus today, the Bible says that you will pass from death unto life. Jesus called it being born again. It's just like when a baby in the natural passes from the mother's womb into the light of day. In the same way, you are passing from the, the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the Son of God's name. Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website. And we've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us and remember that God is madly in love with you.